you've got to think about what you want at the end of the day and what you want your life to look like and what's going to make you happy because what other people think you should do isn't necessarily going to be fulfilling for you. And if you choose to follow a career path that you're truly passionate about, you will be successful without a doubt because people can resonate with that and they can feel your passion and they'll be attracted to you and what you do for that reason. Welcome back to the Health and High Performance Podcast, where we dive deep into the mindset and strategies to help you become your most happiest, healthiest, and productive self. I'm your host, Jessica Duchesne, health coach, engineer, and self-proclaimed productivity guru. Here we learn how to optimize your day through quality nutrition and exercise, better time management, and daily habits and routines tried and tested by the world's most successful high performers, because I believe anything is possible. If you believe it enough to take relentless action every single day. Get ready for today's dose of all things health and high performance. In today's episode, I chat with Beck Cameron, PT and women's health and fitness coach. Beck shares her unpredictable journey to working in the health and fitness space and gives advice on pursuing a career by following your passion. In this episode, we learn about her struggle with sleep insomnia and how she manages it with some great tips for creating a super zen nighttime routine. Beck also explains exactly what adrenal insufficiency is, the challenges she's had with it, and provides some super valuable stress management techniques. Beck is a wealth of knowledge and being taken through her day-to-day routine and learning how she manages her time, I know you will end this episode with some practical tips that you can apply today. With that, let's get into today's episode. Well, Beck, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jess? I'm very well. I'm so excited to have you on, Beck, because you are a super ambitious person. You've got so much going on um, ever since I've uh, known you. You're studying, you're working, and you're continuously developing, expanding your um, health and fitness business, both online and face-to-face. And I feel like we have similar work ethics. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I know that a lot of our conversations we have, um, especially on Instagram, are like between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. <laughs> and you obviously are an early riser like myself. So, um, yeah, you like to just maximize your day. So I thought it would be great to have you on the podcast and just hear about what you do um, and some little tips and tricks that you use to balance all these things that you were doing and um, succeed at all of them. So really excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm really excited too. And I was actually thinking the exact same thing this morning that I was so excited to do this podcast with you because, you know, since we have connected on Instagram, like we do often chat about like how to maximize and get the most out of our day and our little productivity hacks. And I do feel like we have really similar values in that and yeah, similar um, views in terms of our, our structures and our work ethics and all of that. So yeah, I'm super excited to chat about it all. Yes, 100%. Well, I'd like to dive in and ask you a super deep question. And it is, what did you have for breakfast today? For breakfast today? So I usually have the same breakfast nearly every day. And it is gluten-free wheat bix, which I actually heat up in the microwave and make it into like a porridge with some protein powder and blueberries. And sometimes I'll top it with like some yogurt or some nut butter and yeah, something like that. Yum, that sounds so good. I haven't tried the gluten-free wheat bix. I've on the like the oat bandwagon, which I have been for a little while, but I'll have to try the gluten-free wheat bix. That sounds yum. 
Yeah, I love them just for something a little bit different to oats. They're a little bit sweeter than oats as well. Um, so yeah, it's just mm-hmm. nice to mix it up. Nice, nice. I'm all for kind of just having like the same staple meals day in, day out. If if you like them and if they like energize you and um, do you good that way. Um, but I really want to dive more into like your morning routine and um, things you eat and um, things you eat for not only like your physical, but also like your mental uh, but before we dive straight into that, can you give us a little snippet about you and what you do for those who aren't familiar with you? Yeah, for sure. So I am a women's health and fitness coach. I'm based in Melbourne, uh, but I also do a lot of my coaching online. So I specialize in helping women transform their bodies, both like in terms of lifestyle clients and also competition prep clients. And the main thing I focus on with my women is I have a very holistic approach um, and like to help them develop a really healthy and sustainable lifestyle, manage things like their sleep and their stress a lot better and overall just improve their quality of life, not just their physical body. So yeah. nice. It's, it's, it's good that you have that holistic approach because not everyone does that. And um, I know that you've got some amazing clients and um, I see on Instagram a lot of their results. So um, it's good to see that they're getting out what they getting the results that they want with you. So so cool. Yeah, that's something I'm really passionate about making sure my client's health is at the forefront of everything that I do as well. And so I've actually, um, I've gone back to uni recently as well. So I'm in my second year studying nutritional medicine. Um, so a natural medicine degree, essentially, so that I can further help women in that way. Awesome. So good. And when, when did you start studying? Um, I started at, I think it was probably the end of 2019. I do all that online as well. So I kind of, I don't really work in the general semesters that they have. I kind of just keep going with it and chipping away at it whenever I can enroll in a new subject. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice. And how do, how do you go about um, juggling like studying and your clients? And because I see um, like you, you do client check-ins quite regularly as well as your own studies and exams and things like that. I know um, like when exams come around, that can be a little bit hard, but um, how are you going with that? Yeah, it, it honestly, it is really tough and I have to be very regimented and structured with how I do manage my time. Um, so I'm very strict in terms of like the times I dedicate to different tasks. So I have set times where I'll have online check-ins, for example. I have set times where I can train clients face-to-face in the gym because I do still do that as well. Um, And then I have set times where I do each of my uni lectures and tutes and extra study and other admin tasks, um, times where I work on brand partnership stuff. And yeah, it's all scheduled in. I've got a weekly planner. Otherwise I end up like, I'll get to the end of the week and I'll be like, oh, I actually haven't done anything for my uni this week. Um, and I was finding that was a problem when I wasn't being so structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially if you have a few things that are very close to priority number one, like, cause obviously like you've committed to studying, you, you paid a certain amount of money, um, but like you've also got like clients who also pay you to look after their health and help them achieve goals. So um, it, can, it can be tough when you have like a couple of very high priorities in your life. Yeah, and like I, I want to give everything my all. I don't want to half-ass any of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. How has, how has this year started for you because I know towards the end of the year you're quite busy with everything um but how has 21 been for you um especially kind of comparing it to last year 
Yeah, it's been a really interesting and exciting start to the year. I actually, I was on a quite a long holiday um, through December and Jan. So I was in Queensland for a little over three weeks, I think it was. Um, and I was still working up there online for part of that, but I had a really nice like switch off time that really kind of rejuvenated me for the year ahead and gave me time to really kind of plan out what I want my year to look like. Um, so that was really good. I came back from that feeling so refreshed and excited about um, diving into the year ahead. And I actually, I, um, I moved gyms at the start of the year. So I've started working at a different gym with my face-to-face -face clients. Um, I left the gym that I was at for 11 years. Wow. Um, so that's been a really big change in my routine. Yeah. Um, wow. So I've been managing that change. And then I just went back to uni again two weeks ago as well. So we're, we're in full swing again now. Straight into it. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say the first couple of weeks of this year, I, I kind of struggled to get into the hang of things. I had myself, I went back to Perth and had a bit of a holiday, which got cut short, but I still felt yeah. like I had time to like get away. But then, um, yeah, coming back, it just took me a couple of couple of weeks to feel that like new year, new me vibe. Yeah, and that's okay. I feel like a lot of people are like that. And you really notice that when you work in the fitness industry, because there's still so much happening in those first few weeks of Jan, like socially and people are still on holiday. So I think it's okay if it takes you a few weeks to kind of get back into things. Mm -hmm. Just on that, do you plan for time to switch off um, actively, like on a regular basis, or do you kind of just see how your workflow is and kind of factor it in based off that? Yeah, I, I definitely plan it depending on the week. So I guess for me, um, with what I do, every day does look slightly different. Um, but I always try and dedicate some time each week where I don't have dedicated to a task. Um, just because if I don't do that and I don't have that switch off time, I know that I can burn out quite easily uh, with everything that I do try to fit in. So um, I, I have learned the hard way throughout my time that it is very important to fill your own cup first and that you can't pour from an empty cup. So yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite good now at dedicating some switch off time for myself. Mm. Oh, that's really good to hear. And you're probably really good at kind of listening to your body at this point as well and knowing, uh, you know, when you are reaching that point of burnout um, and kind yeah, of like what, what to do. Um, and I want to dive more into that as well um, a little bit later on. But first, I'm really intrigued to hear about like how you first got into health and fitness. You're obviously super passionate about um, healthy eating, training, um, bodybuilding as well. But take us back to what kind of sparked your interest and how you entered the health and fitness industry. Yeah, so I have been very into health and fitness since a young age. I started playing netball when I was in like grade two, I think it was. Um, so I have always been really sporty um, at high school. I played volleyball at quite a decent level. Um, and I started becoming really interested in nutrition and like a healthy lifestyle quite early as well, maybe around 15, I think I decided I wanted to trial like being vegetarian because I was like researching like how to be more healthy and things like that at 15. Um, and then from there, um, I, you know, I kept playing sport and I started training in the gym in order to help improve my volleyball performance. Um, so I was actually working part-time at a fitness first gym while I was studying a business and law degree. 
And, you know, I, I thought that that would be like a nice just part-time job where I could still do something that's involved in the fitness industry um, was working towards becoming a lawyer, which was my ultimate goal. Um, wow. But then, yeah, so but cool. so, yeah, a bit different um, to what mm-hmm. I do now. But yeah, so I got further and further into that degree. And um, while I was still working at the gym, I was doing legal internships every summer and working full-time in an office at Tennis Australia in their legal department. And I kind of just like, I thought that would be such a fun legal job. I didn't like it. I, it really kind of sucked the life out of me being sitting in that room all day and not interacting with other people. And so I realized that it just wasn't going to be for me. And so yeah, being at fitness first, I decided I'm going to change my direction and enrolled in my PT certificate and started working towards that. And now here I am. Wow. That's so interesting. You have mentioned um, very briefly um, earlier on that you did law and business. Um, and that, that's so cool that you really, you pivoted and um, you followed something you, you were passionate about. Yeah. It's such a scary decision when you're in that um, to do such a big change in, of direction when you've dedicated like time and money to education in something. And then you realize that it's not for you. But I think that at the end of the day, had I have stayed in that, there's no way I'd feel as happy and fulfilled as I do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, smart decision for, for sure. And I think there's a lot of people who may be listening to this who are either in the early stages of either studying something that they're not sure they are passionate about um, and have been and, and done the practical aspect and been out and done a placement, or they may be well and truly deep in a career and, you know, want to pivot. Um, and that is also totally okay. What's your advice for, for someone who is in that position and, um, yeah, if, if they feel like, you know, it's, it's too late and they're too deep into doing something. Yeah, for sure. I feel like there'd be so many people stuck in that position and mindset. Um, I think I would just say like, stop thinking about it and just go for it because I definitely like working in fitness crossed my mind much earlier in life as well. Um, while I was doing my degree or maybe even before that, Um, But, you know, I felt so much pressure to do something really, really academic because I had always been quite good at school and I did have quite a bit of pressure from some people that I knew to make sure that I was, I guess, taking advantage of um, my academic skills and, yeah, moving into a corporate role like that. But you've got to think about what you want at the end of the day and what you want your life to look like. And what's going to make you happy because, you know, what other people think you should do isn't necessarily going to be fulfilling for you. And yeah, I just think that, I think that there's, there's no point uh, wasting your life away doing something that you don't love. And um, at the end of the day, you know, um, if you choose to follow a career path that you're truly passionate about, you will be successful without a doubt, because people can resonate with that and they can feel your passion and they'll be attracted to you and what you do for that reason. Mm, I love that. Honestly, you've summed it up so well. And I think anyone listening to this will feel inspired and you're so right. Like I feel like you can be passionate about anything in this world even if it's not something that's um you know a common interest but people are drawn to other people who are passionate and like who show that they're passionate about something people want to know more about it so um yeah like your advice there about just 
just stop thinking about it and like thinking about plan A, plan B and the pros and cons and like just get moving. I think that's some awesome advice. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, another thing to remember is when you're thinking about something like that, if you just think what's the worst case scenario that can happen. So if I had have gone and studied fitness um, and tried a fitness career and it didn't work out, you know, I didn't get any clients, that would probably be the worst case scenario, right? And then I could always fall back on my legal degree. So yeah, I think if you think about that worst case scenario, then a big leap like that is a lot less intimidating. Yes, definitely. Especially when you put it like that, it's a bit of like relief, like, you know, um, you're not going to be homeless, you sort of thing. Yeah. Like it, there's, there's worse uh, um, situations to be in. So awesome advice there. Um, still going sort of um, in going back into your timeline with health and fitness, you are quite into comp prep and uh, bodybuilding competitions and things like that. Um, Take me through like your first competition and how that experience was. So my first competition was in 2015, uh, which I did an IMBA. So it's ICN now, but it used to be IMBA. I think you actually competed in one of the old IMBA shows as well, didn't you, Jess? Yeah, 2015, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, same year. Um, So that was my first ever show and I did two shows that year. Um, And yeah, since then I've done nine, nine shows with the ICN and yeah, I absolutely love doing it. Um, I have learned so much about myself through that process and absolutely love the challenge of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nine shows. That's heaps. <laughs> yeah. I've done a fair few now. Um, like I said, I really love it. And I find for me as well, it's, you know, people um, may have an experience with comp prep where they feel like it's quite extreme and it's not something that they can keep doing. But for me, it's, it's only really a slight, um, a slight step up in my current lifestyle. I kind of always um, approach my food and training with a similar mindset. So competition prep for me isn't really that much more extreme than what I usually do. And I am uh, very much about doing it in a healthy and balanced way as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think like if you are really serious about competing, Gone are the days of thinking of like, you know, when you're off season, you kind of like put on as much weight and lift as heavy as possible. And then when you're um, in prep, like you like try as hard as you can to shred all of that down. Um, from what I've learned from like different YouTube and coaches and things like that on, on YouTube, sorry, is that, you know, all year round you are in comp prep if you are really serious about it and um, you want to keep your physique and your mindset as close to what it is when you are in prep. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, the way I approach my food and training, whether I'm in season six weeks out or whether I'm off season two years out, it's quite similar. Like obviously I'm eating a lot more in the off season um, and making sure that I'm fueling my body so that I can perform in everyday life. Um, But I'm still really structured with my food because at the end of the day, if I'm structured with my food, that's just one thing I don't really have to think about too much. Uh, when my mind is really involved in like, you know, my business and all this other stuff with my study and my uni. So it's just, it makes it easier for me to be structured within my food. Um, And my training as well, like my training isn't something that I just do when I'm prepping for a show. Like my training is part of my lifestyle and it's a non-negotiable for me. I always schedule it into my day and make sure that I'm prioritizing my own training Uh, Because it's it's a mental health thing for me. Like my training is my stress relief and I just absolutely look forward to that part of my day. So 
yeah, there's not really a big change in lifestyle for me. And there shouldn't be really, um, if you are serious about competing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. What are you kind of just touching on bodybuilding? What do you love the most from going through a comp prep experience? I think what I love the most is the challenge. Um, I like pushing past those like mental and physical barriers that you experience in a competition prep. Um, and I, I would also say I'm very driven by things like ticking of boxes and feeling accomplished and seeing progress. Like that really drives me. I like to see, see myself marking things off and ticking boxes. So comp prep is great in that because you have to be on top of so many assets um, and factors within your life. Um, so I, I really find that motivating and I also just love the science behind it. So you'll see me talk a lot about like carving clients up for the shows and reverse dieting and, you know, water protocols and things like that in relation to peaking a physique for a very specific moment on a specific day. And I think that's something that not many coaches understand well and not many coaches do well. Um, and that's something that I am fascinated by. And I think can really give you an edge as a coach and a competitor understanding that. So that's another thing that I absolutely love about the sport is the intricacy of that science and how the human body reacts to different levels of carbs and water and sodium and all of that stuff. Mm. And I love when you do kind of give us an insight into that. Um, I know you had a girl last season quite uh, close to comp day and you showed us a comparison of her depleted and then carved up yeah that like uh two <sighs> two or four day progress photo where she looked like a completely different person <laughs> so fascinating and that uh, that to me also is so fascinating the science behind it yeah for and, sure and I think like from I don't know if this is how everyone thinks but I I just think like you should be the CEO of your body and you should want to know like how your body reacts to certain things. You should want to know like when your body is telling you things. I feel like that should be like one of the number one priorities in your life. Um, and it's not just about buying a program or relying on a coach all the time. It's about like consistently learning about you, your body, different techniques, because bioindividuality is like so apparent upon like a group of people. And um, that's one of the reasons I love bodybuilding and why I've kind of just randomly recently decided I wanted to do it again is because of the science side of it. Yeah, for sure. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying with the bio-individuality and becoming in tune with your body. And that is such a huge thing for me as a coach, not just with my competitors, um, but also with lifestyle clients, just teaching them to understand how their body responds to different things. So, you know, on a week where they are feeling like maybe they're a bit more bloated, like really figuring out what is that trigger for them? Is it a new food? Is it a lack of sleep? Is it work stress? Like, what is it that's causing their body to react in a certain way and how can we manage that so they feel their best all the time? Or at least if they don't, they can figure out how to tackle that and get themselves back to feeling their best when something like that does happen. Mm. And you like we touched on sleep and stress, like these are all the other factors that some people don't even think about when it comes to um, weight loss and your mental health as well and I think it's like good for good that you provide a platform for clients to track that 
together so that it's a learning experience for them as well. And they're also like more aware of how much sleep they're getting. And they, you obviously do like weekly check-ins. So they need to kind of let you know how they're doing in each of those areas. So it's, um, it gives them, it empowers them to learn more about themselves because you have that platform. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's, that's what I encourage. And you'd honestly, you'd be so surprised how, how many people are not getting enough sleep and, they're not, they're not doing those little things that really do add up and make a difference in how they feel and just their general quality of life. Mm-hmm. Well, on the topic of clients, what are some of the most common misconceptions you get when people come to you? Um, oh, there's, there would be so many, um, but I think like probably the biggest ones you get is the weight training will make you bulky or um, that you have to be doing lots of cardio. Like if you want to lose weight, then cardio is the number one. Um, and yeah, I guess both of them are incorrect. Like it's so hard to get as a natural female, um, it's really hard to get bulky from weight training. And in terms of cardio, like, yes, it's a great tool for your heart health, but in terms of fat loss, like nutrition is number one and cardio is not number one and weights is actually going to have a better effect on your metabolism long-term and achieve a better body composition than cardio ever will. 100%. And they say what cardio is more used as like an accessory when it comes to weight loss. Yeah, exactly. It can, it can enhance, um, but it definitely shouldn't be your predominant method in terms of losing weight. Mm -hmm. What are some tips for people who uh, want to lose weight? Like what is like maybe one thing that they can do today to increase their rate of fat loss that they might not be doing? Get enough sleep, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, get enough sleep and just start eating whole foods and less things that come in packets would be like my first tip for someone who has no idea where to start. Mm, no, some really good advice. And sleep is a really good one as well. Like you can always see the information when you haven't had enough sleep or you're too stressed and things like that. I always find water is a big one as well. Like not in the way that like it actually helps you lose weight, but for like cravings, like I always find that if I'm not drinking enough water, I'll, um, I'll be a lot more like hungry throughout the day. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that not drinking enough water, like having more water in your stomach does just make you feel fuller. So that's really helpful. And um, with sleep as well, when you don't get enough sleep and you're sleep deprived, it actually increases your hunger hormones. So if you are trying mm-hmm. to lose weight and you're sleep deprived, well, that's a pretty vicious combo. Mm-hmm. 100%. What's some advice uh, to help people get to sleep or have a more uh, restful sleep? Do you have any advice? Oh, it really depends on the person. Like I have so much advice that I can give. I actually have a history of insomnia. So in high school, I hardly slept at all. Um, And I've struggled with sleep a lot of my life uh, to the point where it's only been recent years where I I clock at least seven hours every night. Um, But I think my number one tips in terms of getting to sleep would be nailing your pre-bed routine. Um, so making sure that you're actually taking time to really wind down, you know, you've got to make sure that you stay away from that blue light before bedtime, like say 45 minutes to an hour before you're going to go to bed, um, create yourself a bit of a pre-bed routine. So I guess, uh, what mine looks like, I like to have a hot shower, which I find is really nice and cleansing after a big day. Um, I'll usually take some magnesium and maybe some other sleep supplements, uh, but that's really dependent on the individual as to what they would need to take. 
Um, and then I'll just try and like read or journal just by like a dim light um, and just relax myself that way before heading off to sleep. Sometimes burn like a candle or some essential oils or something like that and just create that really relaxing environment that tells your body, okay, it's time now and make sure that you're nice and well rested, ready for the day ahead tomorrow. Mm. That sounds so zen, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> pre-bedtime routine um I think you just have to be like more mindful and yeah to really you need to like plan ahead of time to to start turning off things at a certain time to put the candle on because I feel like people are maybe a bit better at their morning routine because you know it's first thing in the morning they're got the energy but then after a long exhausting day that's when all the bad habits come in like the scrolling on social media the watching tv like aimlessly and I myself get into those funks as well especially if I've had a really draining day all you want to do is just kind of like slump on the couch and just mindlessly like watch the tennis or something um but like without being like having sort of a routine or being like setting an alarm at least to just like get up um like turn things off read a book journal then it just doesn't happen so yeah I think just people need to be a bit more conscious about it because then that then affects your morning routine obviously yeah and I agree I think it's really easy after a big day that you just want to like rush and get into bed or you just can't be bothered going through something like that but it makes a world of difference and I I really notice if I get home late and I'm like oh I'm not going to worry about my night routine I just want to like get to sleep ASAP then I don't actually end up sleeping because I haven't done that and I haven't wound down. I'm still buzzing from just getting home and um, like I haven't had that switch off time from my day. So it's it's like you think it's better to just go to bed ASAP, but it's actually counterproductive. Mm, yeah. And then you get restless in bed, you toss and turn, and then like you're thinking about not sleeping, which is stressing you out even more. It's like yeah. <laughs> the worst feeling I know. How did, um, how did you get insomnia or like how how did that come about when you you were so um when you were early on in your life um I think it was a combination of a few things like uh, my mum and my nana both had issues with insomnia um and I had I had some challenging times in my childhood which I guess most people probably don't know too much about but yeah I just came from a bit of a broken family unit and there was a lot going on um through I guess my um late high school years there was quite a lot that I was dealing with some of it was quite dark and hard um, and I emotionally didn't really know how to deal with that at that age so mm. yeah I, I, it really impacted my sleep I would just kind of stay up I I couldn't sleep when I tried so I just kind of like write and journal like most of the night just to try and like get my my thoughts out I suppose and my emotions out onto paper um, and yeah that just kind of stopped me from sleeping Mm -hmm. wow and it's so uh good to hear that at such a young age you were putting in practice like what you preach so early on you know back when maybe journaling wasn't the most popular thing to do but um you were quite aware of it at an early age yeah it definitely it enabled me to understand myself and my emotions a bit better um at that time in my life which I yeah I guess it is something that people don't generally do from that age but yeah, it was very helpful for me um, at that time mm-hmm. in my life. Oh, awesome. So do you have a journal practice? Um, no, I, I don't as much anymore. I much prefer to just kind of like read something before I go to bed, but sometimes I'll journal if I feel the need to or I have 
yeah, if I have some thoughts I need to get down or get clear on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so to co- talking about morning routines and night routines, just to kind of get a bit of an idea of like your day, your timeline, and for people to sort of relate to you and what you do on a day-to-day, can you just take us through a little bit of a day in the life of Beck, starting from your morning routine um, right through to your night routine. I know you touched on your night routine, but um, just so we can understand the progression of your day. I always find this really interesting. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I guess when I wake up in the morning, I'm, I definitely focus more on my night routine than my morning one, mainly because when I wake up, I'm the kind of person where I'll wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Like, let's go do this. I want to get stuff done. Um, I'm very very much like jump out of bed and let's go. So I usually get up at like five or five thirty, um, depending on the day, and I'll just you know wash my face, um, get dressed for the day. I'll go and have my coffee, and I'll have a little snack as well, which is my pre-workout snack because I do like training myself first thing in the morning when I can. Um, and yeah, sometimes when I'm having my coffee and a snack, I'll make an Instagram post or something like that. What's your snack? Sorry to interject. (laughs) My snack. Oh, it depends on what I'm feeling, but usually I like to have something like um, an English muffin with avocado or like some crumpets with peanut butter or something like that. Just a little something to have in my tummy when I train. I don't like training fasted, um, but I can't eat too much then because obviously it makes me feel sick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So yeah, I'll have that and maybe, yeah, make an Instagram post or like check in with some of my clients, like my competitors and stuff who are checking in with me daily. Um, And then I'll go to the gym and I'll train myself. I'll come home and have breakfast and then get stuck into like online check-ins. And then after that, I guess I just time block my day. It really depends on the day, but I'll dedicate time to either business stuff or study stuff. And then I have clients in the gym most afternoons, um, which I will then finish around 6 or 7 p.m. Um, and I'll come home and make my dinner and then I'll head into that night routine, which I like to do and make sure I'm in bed by like 8.39, which I know sounds super early, but when you're getting up at 5 or 5.30 every day, like that's what I need to do to mm-hmm. get enough sleep. Yeah, definitely. Wow, quite a quite a busy day. And you talk about like time blocking, um, and, you know, being intentional about whether it's going to be dedicated time to your business, to your clients, your competitors, or like study. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you juggle all three of those things? Do you have any other uh, ways that you juggle those three things other than time blocking? Yeah, so I guess um, for me, I, I have my specific days where I do things. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday are like my online client check-in days. Um, I have heavier days with face-to-face clients on a Tuesday and Thursday, therefore. And then um, on the weekends, I do a bit of a combo of all of it, um, but also allow some downtime too, which is obviously important. Um, but I'd say like in terms of like juggling all of those things at once. I really like um, taking opportunities to multitask, um, which I'm sure not everyone would agree with, but I really mm-hmm. like say doing my cardio and replying to some client questions or videos at the same time, um, mm-hmm. or listening to a uni lecture while I'm walking my dog or, you know, I like to try and maximize my time in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also would really um, suggest like automation of tasks so trying to 
automate things like cleaning your house, like get a cleaner so you don't have to spend a few hours cleaning your house. So, you know, your food prep, like make sure that you've prepped your food on the weekend so that then you don't have to waste time cooking six meals a day or five meals a day or however many meals you have. Um, and another another thing I do with that, um, I have an assistant who does all of my like obviously admin tasks. So she doesn't do any of my like uh, actual client work, but she does all the backend stuff that allows me to do that, like sets up all my Google Sheets and does all that stuff for me, uh, which is just like something I don't need to do. I can outsource that so that then I have more time to do the things that are more important and require me to actually do them. Mm, that's so smart, delegating. It's so, it's so simple, but I feel like uh, especially maybe people with like a type A personality, um, they don't like giving some of their work away because they feel like they can do it better. But once you kind of can let go of that and yeah, like you said, delegate the things that aren't your strengths or that you know you could use that time doing other things. Um, I think that's really, really smart way to go about making your life easier. A hundred percent. And I, I used to be a lot like that with delegating and I never wanted to delegate any sort of work and I'd try and do everything myself, but like, mm. I'm not very good with Excel. I'm not very good at like designing stuff. So outsourcing that, it means, you know, something that would take me maybe an hour to design, they can do in like 15 minutes and I can just pay them for it because mm. they're better at it than me. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a smart way to go about things and delegating is really important, especially as you do start to get busier within running a business. Mm-hmm, definitely. And you talk about multitasking as well. Um, I love that. I think there's, spe- there's specific things that you probably uh, are best not to multitask, but like a good one, like you said, was like walking, doing your cardio and also doing um, like watching lectures or listening to lectures. Um, I really like when I'm, you know, trying to get my cardio up and I'm at work, but when we're not, I guess, like in lockdown working from home, I would ride my bike to work. And that was like, I was getting there quicker. I was saving money and I was like getting my cardio in and listening to a podcast. It was just, I had had this big revelation and I was like, everyone should be doing this. Yeah. (laughs) And that's such a smart idea. Like what a Mm. great way to kill two birds with one stone. Mm -hmm. I'm all about that. Yeah. Kill kill all the birds with one stone. Yeah. As long as it's not taking away from like the quality of what you're doing, I suppose. So there's some things you can't multitask on, but yeah, Mm -hmm. little things like that you can. Yes, definitely. Um, Now I want to go back to this whole juggling work, studying health and fitness and stuff like that. Um, Can you recall a time where your health has declined or it's been um, like compromised as a result of putting more energy and focus in your business and how you overcame that? Um, I, I did have a period of time where my health declined as a result of doing too much. Yes, probably not just to do with my business. It was a combination of a whole bunch of accumulated stresses, I suppose. Uh, But at that time I was doing a lot of face-to-face training. So I was working really long hours in the gym and started tracking my sleep. That was the first time I really started tracking my sleep on an app. Um, And so it was showing like between my work and like my comp prep um, and some other stress that I had going on, um, being in like a bit of a toxic relationship at that time, I was only getting four hours sleep a night 
Mm. which is obviously not enough. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, as a result of that, I was comp prepping at the time and I like, I wasn't feeling great, but I just kind of pushed through um, as I do. And I ended up with moderate adrenal insufficiency at the end of that. So that was probably uh, the worst, the worst period of health I've had in my life where my hormones were just at rock bottom, essentially. So I really struggled to get out of bed or have any drive for anything. Um, I ended up having to take six months off weight training, which really, really hurt my soul. Um, Mm. But I did do a fair bit of yoga and walking and stuff in that time to stay active. But I just had to like really remove all the stress that I was putting on my body. I had to really focus on getting my sleep right, which is where I really started getting invested in sleep hygiene and sleep hacks and things like that. Um, yeah. And it took me yeah about six months to kind of get out of, out of the hole of all of that um, and regain my health. And yeah, I, I've learned so much from that experience. It was really mm. hard, but it's definitely made me, the coach I am today with my girls and making sure they're looking after themselves. And also it's given me, um, it's given me insight into how important it is to look after myself and not burn a candle at both ends. Mm. Wow. That's a really impressive story. I mean, like basically everything was at a very high stress level, basically a stress overload and then adrenal fatigue. Can you talk talk to us a little bit about what that is and um how that affected you yeah so essentially um so what they say adrenal fatigue isn't real but adrenal insufficiency is and essentially what it is is um so when you're in a chronic state of stress you are just overproducing the stress hormones like cortisol and after a certain amount of time our body just can't keep up with that production and essentially that production declines so we end up with really low cortisol. And that's the point where your adrenals are classified as insufficient because they're not producing enough cortisol. And we do actually need some cortisol to be able to do our daily activities, like stress hormones, we need them. Um, We just don't want too much or too little of them. So yeah, essentially my adrenal glands just weren't able to keep up and um, adrenal hormones and reproductive hormones are interlinked. So Essentially, that meant my testosterone and other reproductive hormones were also declined. Um, So my body was just really burnt out and the production of those things just wasn't happening how it needed to be. Mm, Yes. Okay. And when you say like stresses caused the adrenal insufficiency, um, you're talking about things like not sleeping enough. Does um, being in a deficit put, is that another stress factor? It certainly can be. Um, Being in a deficit is a stress on the body. Um, But, you know, I feel like you can have healthy stresses on your body and, you know, sometimes being in a deficit and exercise, exercise is a stress on your body and that can be a healthy stress. But when you have stress there and then you have not sleeping and then you have work stress and then you have relationship stress and there's so many other things like maybe you're not eating good foods or whatever you're doing, maybe you're drinking a lot. There's so many different stresses. And when they all add up, that's when we get that, that problem. And I think the other thing as well, it depends on how a person approaches life. So some people are just a more high stress personality. And I know I, I have a bit of that because I am such a go, go, go person. Um, and I think most type A personalities probably do have a little bit of that. Um, 
so yeah, I think stress, stress is good in small doses, but we need to be managing that stress and we need to be counterbalancing that stress. Mm-hmm. And do, what do you do to counterbalance the stress? Do you do any um, form of meditation? Yeah, I do. I'm, I go through periods where I'm more regular with it and less regular, to mm-hmm. be totally honest with you, but I do meditate. I like to do little yoga flows as well. I find that's nice and relaxing and getting sleep is the number one thing for me. Um, so making sure I'm doing that night routine, getting enough sleep and dedicating enough time to get eight hours sleep a night and just allocating that switch off time as well. Like on the weekend, having a few hours where I'm actually not dedicated to any sort of work or study or anything and just having actual switch off me time. Mm, yeah. I'm the same with med- with meditation. Um, I come in and out of it, but I find just your good old deep breathing for, you know, 10 breaths before going into a new situation or transitioning from one task to another um, helps so much because, like, I'm definitely like a shallow breather and without realising it. And then when I'm like, okay, um, why am I feeling like anxious and like heavy in the chest? And then I'm, think- I'm thinking, okay, I need to start breathing deeper into my diaphragm. And then I feel like instantly I feel a lot more less stressed and anxious. Yeah, I'm very much the same. And I like to use breathing as well, probably more so than meditation even now. Um, and it does really help to calm you down and remember to do that nice deep Um, diaphragm breathing instead of taking those short breaths which are linked to being in that state of stress Mm -hmm. yeah oh well awesome thank you for taking us through like a full debrief of your day in between you know those little bits and pieces do you have any productivity hacks that you do that make you more efficient in your day like do you train at a certain time of the day because you know um, you get more of it out of your like workflow certain foods you eat like food timing um, or just any anything within the organizational um, space of productivity? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I love working out in the morning. Uh, that's my, my ideal time to do my own workout because then it's done and then I, I don't feel uh, when I'm working, I don't feel like, oh, I've still got to get to the gym, like I've still got to do this. At least if my own training is done, I can really sit and stay focused on what I'm doing. Um, but probably a, a productivity hack that I'd really like to share uh, that I love is actually using a Pomodoro timer. Have you ever used one of those? I, I haven't used one, but I'm very familiar with them. Yeah. So essentially what it is, is it's, I guess it's kind of like a time blocking strategy as well. So it's a timer where it sets a 25 minute work block and then a five minute break. And it goes through that four times and then you get a longer break. So it's a really good way to maximize your time. So it gives you a two hour block where if you're wanting to be really productive, it's a great way to stay accountable and stay on task because 25 minutes is such a short chunk of time. But when you do four of those in a row, mm-hmm. like that adds up and that's and two hours of work that you've just kind of smashed out. So I, I really love that. I think that's um, a really cool little hack that you can use. Um, And also I think just eating regularly throughout the day, like you mentioned, any nutritional strategies, like I like to eat about every three to four hours. And I find that that just gives me the energy to keep going and keep going on task. I don't feel good when I have big breaks between meals. I feel like a bit tired and I lose focus. So I find that really helps Um, as well as just having things like nice cold water or like a hot tea or something that you can sip on and 
I find that always keeps me a little bit more alert, even if it's not mm. something caffeinated, it still helps to keep mm-hmm. me a bit alert. Yeah, no, I'm I'm the same with meal timing. I like to eat every three to four hours. I find if I get to the point of starvation um, after like, you know, I wait from breakfast to lunch, um, it's hard for me to get my hunger back on track. Have you ever found that? Yeah, like I, I eat so much of my food in the morning. I'm actually yeah. so hungry in the morning. So I eat three meals before 11.30. <laughs> Um, and then I start spreading them out a bit more. I'm just, I'm a very hungry person, to be honest. Um, so I, I like eating really regularly. I think it's good. I think like a lot of people can take a lot out of this in that like you know what works best for you and you work with that. Um, you're not trying to force yourself to space it out because what that's what everyone else is doing. But like um, figuring out like what works best for you and if you have a coach working with them to create a timing schedule Food-wise, exercise-wise, that will give you optimal um, mental function and also physical function. Um, and I'm like, I get so obsessed with this because I think it's just like the smallest things, the smallest little things you do in your day that can really transform your day from being an unproductive one to a productive one. Um, and it's just like little things like hydration. Like when you have brain fog, you're like sometimes you're actually just dehydrated. So water's like a big, big one. Um, but I love your... Uh, Pomodoro timer one. Um, I think I'll, I'm, I'm going to give that one a go. I keep seeing it pop up. Um, is, is that the one, is that the app with the tree that grows? Like, and it, once it grows to full. Oh, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of different apps um, that have it. So yeah, just type in Pomodoro timer app and you'll find mm. one. I'll give it a go. Cause I think thinking about your work blocks in 25 minute blocks just gives you a bit more of a sense of urgency rather than thinking always in in hour blocks you're like to be honest like some things can probably take 30 minutes so thinking about it in that way is good yeah definitely adds some urgency Mm. for sure Mm -hmm. well for our last little question I like to ask my interviewees what is your favorite cheat meal my favorite cheat meal, I feel like I, I always get asked this on podcasts. Like any, if people who are listening to this have listened to other podcasts I've done, they already know my favorite cheat meal. Um, but anyway, my favorite cheat meal is 100% Yochi with all the toppings. Like I love frozen yogurt and loading it up um, yeah, with all that good stuff. Oh, yum, frozen yogurt. And what about a savory dish? Mm. Oh, that's tough. Uh, probably a pizza, I would say. I, I really love like those um, pumpkin and goat cheese, like gourmet pieces. That would be my go-to like savory cheat meal. Mm, pumpkin, goat cheese, bit of rocket on top. Yum. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Delicious. Oh, well, thank you so much, Beck, for jumping on. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for like really going deep and answering questions and telling us stories about your life, your upbringing and how you became uh, who you are and what you do within the health and fitness industry. Um, and I think there's a lot in the, in this episode that people can learn, like right down from adrenal insufficiencies. I know I've learned heaps to like stress management, productivity. We've covered quite a bit. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much for having me on, Jess. It's been great to chat about all that stuff. Yay. Thank you so much. Well, where can people learn more about you? Uh, so mostly I use my Instagram, which my handle is Beck, B-E-C underscore B-Fit, B-F-I-T. And I have a website as well, which is www.bcbfit.com.au. 
Amazing. So go check out Beck on Instagram and her website if you want to learn more about what she does or potentially need some coaching. I'm sure she has some availabilities for you guys, but I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you guys in the next one. Thanks, Jess.